All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I don't think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 111 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board, and I am joined today by Marcus Almighty. Mark, welcome back. Greetings. And a stranger in a St. Louis hat. It must mean What's base- up? baseball season's coming, eh? It's coming around the corner. we got a starting pitcher that's already out for the season. Things are looking normal. <laughs> and hopefully we're going to be joined by the voice of reason ken 69th blizzard but he's held up right now so we're going to get going with the news as is um hopefully you've seen our good friends kiss my bootlegs most recent special episode in which they have shared all of the i video if and it's not studio fucking 54 solid gold or fridays okay so let's just get that straight because people i've seen that before i've had that on a videotape it's in my mom's basement up here so you have not seen it all before um no. you know so they were kind enough to share the whole thing uh for people who know a little bit about the history of that uh obviously kurt gooch did not burn it i bought it and i no longer have it so it has nothing to do with me and I'm glad they shared it. You know, obviously. Uh... All right. So that was all. That was all to do with the i video having nothing to do with me. So Gene, Paul, uh, lawyers, nothing to do with me. Not in my possession anymore. Um, you can, of course, see thirty something seconds of it on the LA Expo recap. Uh, Kiss FAQ podcast episode not to uh, stick any daggers in those guys for sharing theirs watermarked because obviously you know the whole thing out there you don't want it to be unwatermarked because it did cost people money so cost me a fucking hell of a lot of money but there you go I had to get rid of it It served its purpose wasn't going to be able to do anything with it so I'm glad someone else was able to Uh, other news let's see Ace Frehley I sang his praises. Well, that was at the beginning of the last episode, I think. Um, he's off yeah. to every Englishman's favorite country, Argentina, for uh, his solos are starting on the 27th. So he's, I think he's got a few dates in Argentina. So South American fans, you got a lot to look forward to. Go and catch him. If you haven't caught any of the bootlegs or heard us singing the praises, he's on fire at the moment. He's got a great band, great set. Go and see him. I think four dates in Argentina, then Brazil, Chile, and Mexico. So... That's exciting. KISS added two more dates to 2017, I think yesterday, and one's coming up next week, uh, February the 22nd at the Joint in the Hard Rock Casino in Catoosa, Oklahoma. I hope I said that correctly. If not, I don't care. Um, And then in the summer, July the 15th in Hinckley, Minnesota at the Grand Casino Amphitheater. And that looks like it's got about 8,000 capacity, so no worry get counting those dots. And uh, we'll see how that one's selling. But, you know, a couple more dates in the U.S. is It's all good. I can't wait till April. Um, Gene Simmons. Yeah, we kind of got to go there. He was interviewed by Scott. I'm sorry, I don't know this uh, DJ's name on WWL. Uh, caught it on Blabbermouth, the headlines. And he's going on about Rock is Still Dead. 
You know, the, uh, the the interview did ask him about the 2014 Esquire interview. I think it was with Nick where it had been said that Gene Simmons says Rock is dead. And he comes back on it and says, yeah, because of the Internet and Napster and all that shit. Um, and Blames all, the fans. All of us. It's our fault and the industry. But he does qualify it. You know, he, he does say ultimately that according to his vision, that since 1989, which is pretty much kind of the death knell, you know, the start of the death knell for rock, that who is the new Beatles? Who are the new Stones? Who's the new Hendrix? Who is Elvis? Who is the iconic rock band since 1989? Uh, someone that you could walk down the street and ask anyone and tell them the name and say, do you know who this is? And they would say that, yeah, I know yeah, Elvis or Kiss, iconic in that sense. So I kind of get where he's coming from on that. But I would fire back at him and say, have you looked at Metallica's box scores lately? Uh, did you watch the Grammys on Sunday at which band was with Lady Gaga? And sure, they had technical issues and other crap, but I'm sorry, uh, Metallica didn't really hit mainstream until 90. Maybe. So that's post 89 whatever way you want to look at it if you want to say and justice for all is when they really went mainstream and sold out and that's kind of the you know the the razor's edge for some people is that album others it'll be the black album 19 was that 91 or 92 91 yeah so who is your iconic band gene I'm going to say Metallica. Who's filling stadiums today? Metallica. Who else is filling stadiums? Guns N' Roses? But they were icon they were pretty much iconic in 89. Um, when did Use Your Illusion come out? Was that 91? 91. 91. 91 as well. So yeah. that's when they became the Elvis of rock with their bloated egomaniac album. You know, two double albums that you could... Right, two single albums. <laughs> that could be pared down to an EP. Um, so that's an iconic band. ACDC was packing in the in the stadiums, but obviously they've been around since 73, so they don't really count. Foo Fighters? What about Pearl Jam? Foo Fighters? Pearl Jam sounds good, too. I, you know, I put Pearl Jam ahead of Foo because obviously Nirvana. So I would say to Gene that there's a shitload of iconic bands if you just think about it. And we're going by his definition of post-89. Does that mean that they couldn't exist before 89, so Metallic is out of the picture? Okay. Well, what about Foo's? Okay. Well, they're post-89. What about Pearl Jam? You know, what were they, uh, Mother Love Bone before that and all, all sorts of different bands out of Seattle? Soundgarden, still around, right? Yeah, but you know what, though? The, 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 the thing is, too, what, do you, what, what kind of music is important to you? I mean, if he's talking about just mainstream rock, that's one thing. But for me personally, I don't really listen to mainstream rock at all. I mean, I listen to a lot of progressive stuff. I love Opeth. I love bands like, you know, uh, like Pineapple Thief and these other kinds of progressive bands. I could care less about, like, some of these other bands. Okay, can you say a name I've heard of? <laughs> King Crimson? <laughs> okay, but that's going back to 68, isn't it? 68, 69 for King Crimson? Oh, right, but, but that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, these are, but these are, that, that's the thing. Not everybody wants to listen to mainstream rock. I, I'm, I'm pretty bored with that stuff, so I listen to more that kind of stuff. I love Metallica. I love Megadeth still and bands like that, and I still listen to them, but I love bands like Nevermore and, you know, some of these other other kinds of bands. I mean, I think it, he's it, talking about in mainstream, you know, what's played on the radio. Yeah. yeah. But that, you don't but hear that's like, rock on the radio. You're gonna recognize you any serious says, radio, and you can, you know, of course, go to wherever you want. But just regular FM radio, uh, you're gonna get mostly top forty 
uh, stations, and it's mostly, uh, you know, pop, uh, the latest kind of pop, and hardly any kind of rock will show up at all, if any. Yeah. But that's, and he that's says, who are you going to recognize walking down the street? Are you, you know, you know, are you, maybe rock's not dead in our opinion, but are you going to recognize some of these yeah. bands, someone walking down the street? And he was even quoted in the, in the interview room and says, what about Panic at the Disco? He goes, well, you say Panic at the Disco to somebody, they're going to run screaming or something. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, That's because know, he's, he's just genius. But he's, at the same he's time. He's just stuck. That's why. No. And, I, would call, I would call today's rock underground. Rock today is like more underground type music. For sure. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's not popular music, really. You know, it's niche. Yeah. You're not going to have an iconic, you know, band or entertainer. I mean, he threw in Elvis, so that's cross-genre. He's opening his mind in, in terms of that. So, Joe Bonamassa, okay? Did I say his name right? Uh, yeah. Because I, re- I don't really listen to him. Uh, but, you know, very respected. It, it, would he fall into kind of the Hendrix category nowadays, you know, for being an iconic... Could. Uh, guitar playing, you know, virtuoso without becoming a fret wanking. Um, I don't really want to say anyone, anyone's name. Because... Gary Clark Jr., you know. <laughs> but, the, but that's just it, though. I mean, I I know of him because of his guitar playing, but, you know, that's, does that put him in the same category? I mean, I, I don't own any of his records, right? But I know of him, so he must have some sort of a name that I know of him, but don't own anything from him. Yeah, so, hardly, so, someone who yeah. pops up in a lot of places on TV, in commercials, someone who's got credibility across, you know, kind of cross genre. And that's why the Gaga thing with Metallica is so cool, because that to me validated both of them as icons. Who hasn't heard of Lady Gaga, you know, nowadays? And is that right. just because she's the current, well, she's not really current, it thing. And Metallica, you know, that's just... Only iconic acts can really get away with pulling off a collaboration like that. Um, and thank God Metallica finally picked someone other than Lou Reed to try it with. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, now if they'd write some material specifically with Gaga, maybe it would work. And, you know, maybe Gene's just bitter because they missed that boat with Freak. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, perhaps, uh, if we get to it. So, um, Lonnie. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You bring up Gene and his rock is dead crap but at the same time he turns around and well i'm gonna go out on a solo tour um with my own band for the first time ever and so that you can see an icon so you can see an icon right 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 so you can see i can you know see an icon like gene simmons or so you can see rock is dead (laughs) well he's playing a 2000 seat theater i guess so maybe (laughs) maybe he can see rock um, is dead they announced that today. Tickets go on sale for St. Louis tomorrow morning. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I never thought I'd see a a Gene Simmons solo tour. You know, I never, I never, even when Paul did a solo tour, I guess eleven years ago now, and he did Live to Win in two thousand six. I, I never thought I'd see a Gene solo tour because Gene's always had interests in other places. Like he never toured the promote asshole when it came out. Thank God. But and I. A Gene solo tour, I didn't think fit his character, so I'm I'm really interested to see. You guys discussed in an episode I wasn't on about who he's going to pick to be in his band and and what his set list is going to consist of. And I'm really intrigued by this whole notion. So, you know, Gene Rock is dead, but at the same time, well, I'm going to put together a band and go out on a little solo tour and promote Gene Simmons. So it's kind of 
it's kind of hypocritical, but it's also Gene Simmons. You say one thing to appease someone and say something to, to somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, good luck with whatever it does turn out to be. We look forward to taping that episode, obviously, when uh, yeah. you recap your experiences. Exciting. Because, you know, it, it, it's cool. Whenever any of these guys do anything outside of, you know, KISS, I, I find it interesting, if only to, you know, find out <laughs> that I was glad I didn't travel, perhaps. Um, wow. <laughs> Uh, last word on news. Let's go to Mark. You've got some pretty cool news for us, I believe. Yes. So, keeping on the topic of non non iconic acts, we'll talk, <laughs> we'll, wow. we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about my band. Uh, just as you guys probably know, um, I'm releasing a record. I have mentioned it a few times, just to let you know that I have been on the phone for the better part of the week with several different people, and I can now tell you that next week. Uh, I believe either Monday or Tuesday. I'm probably going to do Tuesday because Monday it's a holiday here in Canada. But I'm going to start pre-ordering, taking pre-orders for my CD. So I'll put oh, up cool. links for stuff for all the necessary things for people who want to go ahead and do that. And, of course, I'll in advance thank everybody who will go ahead and do that. Thank you in advance. That's very, okay. very cool. Off topic, it's Presence Day here Monday. What is it in Canada on Monday? It's Family Day. Wow. <laughs> wow. We don't have a family day. No, I want another vacation. I don't think. <laughs> I'm moving to Canada. That's right. That sounds like Britain, which would just say it's your February bank holiday. So yeah. maybe Canada maybe Canada's already got a spring bank holiday, so they can't call that one. Uh, and thank you for reminding me that Monday's a fucking holiday because I scheduled. You would have went to work? I've, ske I've scheduled stuff for Monday, so uh shows how much I know about American holidays still, even after all this time. So let's get into today's topic. We've uh, That's a nice, uh, you know, long tangent to start things off. Um, we're going to do part four of a topic that we have started long ago. I can't even remember the last time that we did this. But um, I <laughs> you, you can. Well, Lonnie's hosting today, so I'll just, I'll just no. shut up and drink my beer. If uh, if I host, we might not see it because we've already had this discussion once, and uh, it was it's the it's the unseen episode of the Kiss FAQ podcast that no one will ever see. So, <laughs> so it's it's, it, it's, it's, it's them okay. it's them changes. It's the uh, little changes that the band might consider making to albums post Alive Three to make them what we consider more perfect. So we're going all seven of nine, seeking Borg perfection in uh, the Kiss album, you know, would you change the sonics, the producers, the tracks, the art, um, anything, to quote Peter Chris, is fair baseball. So where did we get up to? Was it a live three, or are we starting on a live three? Because you know, we're starting the last one we did. We're starting on Kiss My Asterixes. Yes. Um, I'll, I'm going to go straight off the bat and just get my, my rage out of my system for this album. Any band that does his own tribute album is really fucking pathetic, <laughs> and it should never have been done. It was the wrong thing to do. I, again, back then, I, I don't know. I, I don't even remember why. You know, the only cool things I can really think of that they they did collaboratively and it kind of tributizing themselves. And I know Gene loves to say, well, I saw Nirvana did Do You Love Me <laughs> on uh, Hard to Believe. Yeah. You know, and that made me want to do my own tribute album. You know, I think the stuff with Garth Brooks is great. Um, Lemonheads, cool. Lenny Kravitz Stevie, with Stevie Wonder, that's probably the outside-the-box kind of one. But 
you know, it just misses the sort of acts that I really would have rather having give tribute to the band. You know, the, the boss tones I didn't get. So if you look at all the acts that are missing in action from this, Megadeth, Strange Ways, um, yeah. who the hell did, was Anthrax on this one? Because I know they Anthrax do, is on it. They do she. Yeah, but I, I like the. But like Ugly Kid Joe was supposed to be on it, Jackal was supposed to be on it. Bands that were, I mean, lot. Yeah, were people, people might not know people watching this might not know who Ugly Kid Joe or Jackal are, but in nineteen ninety four they were pretty prominent names in rock at the time. Yeah. They were. And, and and that's the that's the problem is that there was a lot of hype I remember in the yeah. press about all these bands. Like they were really talking about bands like that, like like Megadeth were gonna go on there and, and I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he even mentioned something about Madonna in one yeah, of the articles. Madonna. So I was made for love. Yeah, and you're and you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is gonna be like an amazing kind of tribute record, and then it comes out and you're like, ugh, what is this? Like, you know, for the, for you know, I I I don't mind Anthrax, so that's probably the only saving grace for me on this record. But the rest of it is just like non, you know, just not exciting. It's non memorable to me. This album. Yeah, I mean that's really the only way to look at it, is that it's so meh. The, the no list is more important. So what would I change? I would cha- I would erase it. I would simply shit can it and not have it because it doesn't really have yeah. anything that jumps out. I, I would have had them... Uh, well, I don't know. If they had to have a release in 1994, I don't know. I, I would have said, well, maybe they should have just been uh, putting out an Alive 3 filler with Eric Carr on drums instead, and that probably would have been more interesting for me. You know, Is there anything that any of you would change on this to make it better? And, and keep it and keep it released. I just and just the songs. Besides that's, the artists involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what it has to be. It would have to be the yeah. artists and the songs. I remember going and buying this the day it came out, and and being excited about it actually because I had seen um, articles in Hit Parader or or Rip or or Circus at the time, and and reading some of these interviews about who was going to be on it. And being excited, and I go, oh, wow, this is going to be great. And I picked it up, and I looked at I was like, well, who are the Lemonheads? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, yeah, I've heard of Toad the What's Rocket at the, at the time in 94. Or... Yeah, Jim, yeah, Jim Blossom's been on there. Is it Jim Blossom's been on there? Jim yeah. Blossom's. Yeah. Maybe it was Jim Blossom's, yeah. Jim Blossom. One of those. One of those mid-90s. That's it. Band. One of those. But it was just like, where, where's the Megadeth song? I thought Megadeth was, where's the Jackal? Where, you know, I was... Other than the artists on there, I, the artists on there, I think that's their biggest yeah. downfall. Is they they hyped it up so much. Oh, our next album's gonna be called Kiss My Ass, and you know they just hyped it up so much that how great this was gonna be. It was just the biggest letdown to me when I got it. Even as a 14, 15 year old kid, it was it was a letdown. Yeah, unfortunately, the biggest problem with it, if you think about it, and I again don't want to start having eggs thrown at me, but the the fact is. At this point in their career, Kiss were looked at as a B-level band right now, and they unfortunately got B-level acts to go on there. None of the A-listers, <laughs> none of the A-listers wanted to come on, and that was the problem, right? So, but I, I said if those if those songs were changed to the ones that they were talking about, this would have been spoke of in a much different light. That's the only thing I would have changed. If they wouldn't have been able to get those acts, I just wouldn't have done it. Yeah, so I did yeah, once should've... do a book on this, and some of the acts were Mozart. No. 
Mozart doing Great Expectations, D. Toten Hosen, Do You Love Me, Megadeth doing Strange Ways, which did come out on the War Chest box set, mm-hmm. um, Metallica, Detroit Rock City, Soul Asylum, mm-hmm. Cold Gin, I Love It Loud, Jackal, War Machine, Soundgarden, I Was Made for Loving Madonna, <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. Watching You, um, Soda <laughs> Stereo, South American Band, Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> Uh, with Love Gun, The Melvins, Going Blind, versus Dramarama, Going Blind. And then, you know, the whole list of bands, Green Jelly Tool, Tony Tony Tone, Galactic Cowboys, Ministry. Ministry are actually a pretty badass <laughs> band. Uh, Public Enemy and Run DMC. Public Enemy would have been cool. Um, yeah. For cross yeah. Uh, genre, Pantera. I mean, for fuck's sake. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, They're big Kiss fans. So, the I mean, that's is, just a few. They should have just canned it. Really, if they're not going to be able to, you know, uh, you know, keep up with your own hype, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. the artists that you said were going to be on it, then, you know, they just said canned it and said forget it. Um, just let some other people do the tributes that want to do a tribute, you know, to you. They can put their own albums together, or you know, tribute to Kiss, but not <laughs> doing your own. It makes you look, pop, look it. makes you look pompous and stuff like that so uh i mean i i don't listen to that thing the only thing i i'd like to listen to is the last song on the, the whole record which is that uh black classical diamond. black diamond piece which i, I think turned Yo, out really cool yeah yoshiki 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 yeah yeah, yeah so yeah they should have got forgot it you know skipped it yep okay well let's get off that and uh move on to the next album in the catalog which uh, MTV Unplugged, we have sung its praises so many times. So are are there any changes that I think you'd want to make to it? And I'm going to say double fucking album. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that was cut out, leave it in. Going Blind, which was a bonus track on the vinyl, leave it in. Heaven's on Fire, leave it in. Spit, leave it in. Country Goof Off, God of Thunder. Um, did I say going blind? I got to choose. You go, got to yeah. choose. Yeah, so right. got to choose. I mean, everything that was recorded, leave it on and make it the full double album because it is just you know I you know I'll just shut up. It, it's that good. So uh, any other thoughts on that, guys? Ken, how about you? No. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, that's one of the first things I thought about is you know I would have rather had a double album. Um, and yes, like with all those extra songs that they, they cut out and the songs that were, if you've seen the whole, you know, unreleased, uh, edits of, of that, uh, there's a lot of, you know, cool stuff. Um, so yeah, they could have, they could have easily done two albums. Um, as far as packaging, uh, you know, I would have, the cover was okay. I think that didn't it have the, has, I got pulled pull it out, but, uh, the too much VH1 going on in it, I think, on the cover uh, of the thing. And the vinyl looks stupid because it's like shrunk down. It's not the whole. Yeah, it it just kind of I, I didn't like that part of it. I mean, it's okay, but I would have rather had the uh, yeah the larger image. It would have made more sense to me. Um, otherwise, it's it's you know it's a pretty cool package, um, and uh, you know it was uh, obviously a great live, one of the best live performances. If you count it as go with along with the live stuff, any of any of your live stuff, it's really good. 
Yeah, I mean, Come On and Love Me didn't make the cut, did it, mm-hmm. for the for the album. And that artwork, I love the actual picture that they use, but, you know, making uh, the MTV Unplugged craft less prominent and making the LP cover the yeah. full size, that's that's a great exactly. catch on that. Totally agree. Mark, I cut you off uh, at the beginning there, so uh, why don't you give me your thoughts on that? Well, I was just going to say this is one of those records that I really enjoy. I I thought when I first got it that it was one of those ones that sounded really good, cranked up nice and loud in the car, and it made you uh, really get back into their catalog and proved to me once and for all that these are good songs because if you can play these songs on acoustic guitar and they sound good, then it's a good song. That's just how really every kind of good song is kind of based on. If you can play it on an acoustic guitar with a couple of friends, then it's a good song, you know? And like you guys, sure, the only thing that I could see that would improve this is just putting more on there. That's it, because there's nothing that needs to be removed on it, I don't think. And, you know, I like that they, I like the layout of the uh, packaging. I like that we got a poster and stuff like that, which is nice. And uh, I just think that just putting more on there, like you said, I mean, if they would have put Come On and Love Me and some of the other songs that got omitted, I think it would have been that much better than it already was so for me it's a two thumbs up this record nice Lonnie last thoughts on it my only thing I would change other than I agree with you guys making it a longer see there it is yeah then making it a longer album or or a double album for that matter would be I understand why they had Ace play 2000 man and not shock me as I said it, it wasn't working but for me it was kind of a letdown that you bring Ace Frehley out for the first time since 1980 what two and he plays it they and he plays a song that's on Dynasty a song that he recorded with Kiss but it's still a Stones cover I wish he would have sang an Ace Frehley written song when he came out I mean and, and 2000 man sounds good well, I would have rather heard an Ace Frehley song. Culture. With him on the... Yeah. You can... you can Bruce could pull it off on guitar. It's pretty... It's pretty diff... Well... That's a... That's a good... Uh, good good one, Lonnie, because I, I agree. I felt the same way that 2000 Man could have been replaced with something else. You know why it wasn't? Signature tunes. Why? Well, two reasons. Peter and Ace. Because, number one, Peter was so out of, you know, conditioning at that point. Could he have done a more complicated song than 2000 Man, which is just dunk? Yes, he could have. He was, he was on tour dunk. at the time. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So maybe he could. But I know that Ace also mentioned, like, that playing something like, you know, Shock Me was a little difficult on an acoustic guitar to get up there on the that's, neck and to do yeah, stuff like right. that. But that, That's a really awkward one to play acoustically. But, you know, yeah. that, that's why I say Cold Gin or... Uh, mm-hmm. You know any of the other songs that Ace wrote and didn't sing? You know it, it's like it's a great opportunity. You know, yeah, Two Thousand Men's almost a cop out having Ace there. It's uh, you know it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really work. So good yeah, good catch I mean, on that. I, I understand that he that he sang it on on Dynasty and it's on one of the original albums of the original band. But I would have rather heard even even Talk to Me or something like that. Just, just an Ace Frehley written song yeah. for Ace Frehley's first performance with the band since '82. But and I'm not, and don't get me wrong, the album's freaking great. I love it. But if I was going to complain about one thing on the album, it'd be length and Ace's song selection. 
So it really should have been rock and roll hell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, sorry. I'll behave. I'll have another another sip of beer in a minute. Let's move on to uh, You Wanted the Best. And just before we get into talking about this clusterfuck of an album, um, there was a great thread on the FAQ where someone actually managed to track down all of the photographs on which the uh, mm. cover yeah. image was based cool. on, which I thought was fantastic Sherlock work. I mean, that's what I love about KISS fans and the FAQ. That's the good side of the FAQ. Obviously, <laughs> we, we know what the negative side is. We see it far too much. But here's the positive side where, you know, the fans go out and with due diligence discover some pretty interesting shit. I mean, these are the, the pictures that we use for reference, all from different photo shoots. So... Hopefully the artist who did the cover art for you, one of the best, doesn't get sued by the photographers. Um, enough on that. 20 years later. Yeah, Three Sides of the Coin also obviously had a very good interview with Robert Conti. It's one of their really better episodes in recent memory, and they've had quite a few out-of-the-park episodes of late. Uh, but Robert Conti's interview was something else. And it goes he goes into a lot of detail about this album, its construction. So let's dive in here. I'll throw out what everyone, you know, that elephant in the room is. The fucking stupid interview should not be on a greatest hit package. And obviously they didn't learn because on the Love Gun Remaster, they put another freaking interview segment on. <laughs> you just don't mix that sort of stuff. If you want to do, you know, stroke yourself interviews where you think you sound great and intelligent and all that put them on an audio cassette that you can put your glasses on and oh, i'm going to listen to myself be interviewed <laughs> I, you don't want to go from a demo of plaster caster to an interview just like you don't want to go from rock and roll all night flip the disc over and go oh great 17 minutes and 40 seconds of jay leno and kiss first thing i said that could have been five more songs when i saw yeah. this um, the other elephant in the room is Paul Stanley should not have re recorded any fucking vocals for this. That was an absolute mm -hmm. crime against humanity, thinking that no one would notice. It ruined the material. They should have kept it as honest to the original recordings because it doesn't fit otherwise. It's like, who are you fooling? Don't be so narcissistic that you really feel you have to correct anything. There was nothing wrong with it in the first place. Put it out as is. And I'll also say that Conti's original vision for the album was quite different than what it was. So go and listen uh -huh. to, that, to that three sides, and I, I think that made more sense as an album. So what would I change on this? I would say, number one, put all the... I would have done the King Biscuit Alive versions, uh, which includes mm -hmm. Let Me Know not mess with the vocals. I would have put the three songs that are on the fabled, you know, the misprint of Alive 2, which they're only on the printed cover. They have never existed on vinyl um, on Alive 2, so that you don't go looking through bins and you'll ever find a copy with those three songs. I would put those on, because all those L.A. shows were recorded. And for the rest of it, you know, it was just a live sampler. Um... I don't have any problem with what they picked. I, you know, calling Doctor Love's a good choice. Shout out loud, fine. Beth, fine. Rock and roll. You know, the rest of the live kind of sampler for what they were trying to do with the product is fine. Uh, Lonnie, go straight to you on this. You know what I would have done is obviously I agree with you totally. Leaving out the Jade Little Jade Leno interview, um, Paul not redoing his vocals. Obviously, those are obvious choices. I was really disappointed that. 
it contained music from Alive and Alive 2. I mean, well, I have this. You know what I mean? Oh, it was remastered. It was before the remasters came out. It sounded crisper than my copy of Alive did in the summer of 96. But I agree with you. Put on the, the King Biscuit. Put on The Lost Alive 2. Give me different versions of Shattered Out Loud and Rock and Roll All Night and Calling Dr. Love and Fire... You know what I mean? And Firehouse. Give me different versions of those. Don't, in typical Kiss fashion, sell me something that I already own. Again. And and, I'm, and we're all suckers. We all bought it. We've all bought the same. My wife always teases me, says, you're the king of rebuying music that you already own. <laughs> we all are. You know, we, we, we all have little stamps up here that say sucker. All, it says sucker across my forehead. Yeah. You know, we're, we're all guilty that we've all bought the same. I mean, how many times have I bought the same music I already own? Much, much less on this, the same versions of the songs that I already own. Yeah. At least humor me a little bit and switch it up by giving me different versions of the song. Give me a cleaned up polished version of some of the songs off the lost alive 2 album now that would have been fantastic and don't mix and don't fuck with the vocals either leave them as is so that's my biggest complaint is that i mean i have more than one complaint i guess is that you know paul touching up his vocals the jay leno interview and then selling me songs that i already own i mean i was i was disappointed like well i have this and I have this version of this, even. So, it's just kiss me and kiss, though, at the end of the day. Yep. And getting me one more time, or another time. Yeah. Mark, we're going to go to you, and um, your your video's frozen up, so you look like you're about to get hit by a car. You've got that expression. <laughs> I kind of feel like frozen in an awkward spot. I don't so. Know. Just, just to give you a heads up on that, don't, don't fiddle around with your camera. I don't want to lose your audio as well. Um, what's your take on you wanted the best? Did you get the best, or were you shit out of luck? Well, I uh, honestly, I, I, I got it, but I have the exact same problem with it that Lonnie had. I, I find that it's a lot of the same stuff that I had already, and just like you guys, I... I wasn't fooled for one minute with those redone vocals. I mean, having the benefit of, you know, working in studios and knowing the difference between his voice and what you can do in the studio with live recordings, that that didn't pass over me at, at all at that point. But I, it's it, it's it's just just like Lonnie said, it's the main thing that I think frustrates a lot of people is that you you have an opportunity to do something kind of special. And then you end up just putting more of the same stuff that people already had on the collection. I mean, one of the things that I really like about Rush is that they don't do do that. They they released like the R40 Blu-ray set, and on there they had an extra DVD stuff that had a complete, well, not a complete, but like more than half of a performance from uh from the Molson Amphitheater on their Test for Echo tour that never came out, you know. And like everybody was like, wow, that's like, you know, because there was a rumor that it was supposed to be a DVD of that show and it never came out. And then all of a sudden, boom, it appears. And then now they did also, uh, I think it was the R40. Uh, there was another package that came out. And then on the bonus section of that, they had like pretty much almost a complete show of a Presto tour on there. That I was like, wow, what the heck? Like they're starting to go into their archives and putting in stuff that people haven't seen. Why cannot kiss do that as well why do we get the same rehashed stuff all the time 
give us something in there from those vaults that we know is buried deep in there. And, you know, if, if it's a bootleg, great. We are so used to listening to them and enjoying them. Who cares if it's not pristine vocals and stuff like that? We'll still love it. Yep, absolutely. Ken? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with all your points, everyone's actually. The, the the other thing that really bothered me at the time is when it came out. I wanted a new I wanted a new studio album for the from the four instead. Uh, I wanted them to record an album uh, with the four and put it out instead of putting this thing out. Um, the other thing is, yeah, that the vocals with Paul Stanley. Yeah, you could do that back alive when you alive and it's around the same time yeah you can your voice we're not going to tell the difference but this is <laughs> this is what how many every years you know 20 years it's like yeah i can tell the difference of your voice <laughs> okay um the other thing is uh, the jay leno i agree yes get rid of that and if you're going to include it include it as a bonus disc just separate from the music and and keep the the records you know by themselves uh and and use yeah stuff like from the rock and roll party in Japan that was supposed to ha happen and and other songs that they recorded for live that they didn't use on a live um, so that's what they should have done but yeah they just rehashed and made they took the easy way out I guess you could say now here's the funny part to kind of consider through all of this is. Didn't Paul Stanley re-record the vocals in 1975 anyway? Why the... That's an yeah. excellent point. I mean, they basically reconstructed the live recordings in the studio. I mean, for fuck's sake, I'm just looking at the uh, track listing on uh, Rock and Roll Party in Tokyo, and I mean, Take Me, Do You Love Me, Cold Gin, Rock and Roll All Night, and Firehouse. They would have been perfect. And then if you're yeah. short of tracks... Obviously, they used New York Groove from uh, Sydney 1980. I don't think that's really the very best of Eric Carr, but I think they probably could have put five Eric Carr live tracks on there. You've had, you know, Hearing Aid had Heavens on Fire, so they could have gone through, and they've, they've got enough sound boards from, you know, what, the Lick It Up era that they could have represented more of the band outside of the originals, though. You know, they might say, well, it was about, it was the, about original. the original. Then why was New York Groove used as a bonus track? Um, so that's kind of my logic there. Yeah. So, you know, th there's plenty of stuff. It's, uh, you know, it, it was one of those things that I was never happy with the moment I listened to it. And I have never listened to that full Jay Leno thing ever. And I mm -hmm. never, I never will. It's just one of those things that exists. And that's as far as I'm going to go with it. it. It's such a shame. I think the back cover art sucks ass as well. You know, the packaging on the vinyl is dreadful. The cover image, I don't have any problem with. I like it. It's no, fine. The cover's cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, for, for what it is and what they're trying to represent, it is bombastic. It is Kiss. And it was a, a, an improvement on MTV Unplugged. It's an improvement on a Live 3. And certainly an improvement. They got the makeup right. And. You know, for Ace versus what they did on Kiss My Ass. So, you know. All right, let's get into the next one. Oh, dear God. What would we change with Carnival of Souls? I think, oh, man. I, it needs a producer because it's the shittiest sounding Kiss album in the catalog. 
it it's got nothing it's sludgy it's dire so i would change the sonics completely it's like the opposite of ron nevison so it's it's not polished it's it just does not sound good everything everything seems wrong on you know random knob twisting so yeah it, it doesn't sound good i would not have stuff like i walk alone on it um you know, Bruce was not ready for a lead vocal at that time, and that material wasn't the right kind of showcase for him, in my opinion. There's other songs. Gene is so hit and miss again on this album. He's better, and he kind of stayed in the revenge frame of mind. I mean, Childhood's End is excellent. Mm-hmm. I Confess is excellent. Um, Hate's really good. No. I like it. Not for I me. do. I think it's That's, heavy. Yeah, it's just crap to me, you know, but, you know, <laughs> different di- di- different tastes, you know. Yeah. So, um, Seduction of the Innocent, I love. Good song. So he's, oh, got, yeah. some, he's got some good stuff, uh, but the album does not need to be that long. It's got some oh. filler. It's, it, I don't know, it just, that the packaging as well. Obviously, it's rushed out by <laughs> Universe, or whoever their label was at the time, Polygram, Mercury. Um, just because it had leaked and had already everyone had already heard it, so no wonder it didn't sell well. The packaging was garbage. There's no way to fix that it, because of the the timing. So I wouldn't even address it. I just think it sounds like crap, and it always has sounded like crap. So that that would be what I would change with it. Make it sound better, better uh, separation of the instruments, not so sludgy. Don't try and be Alice in Chains as much sonically. Be Kiss and do the heavier material. It misses Bob Ezrin. You know, I, I think it could have been a far better album with similar material and him advising them on arrangements and when not to do things. I, <clears throat> he, he's the perfect person for that sort of job. Mark, what's your take on Cause? Well, I'm, I'm guessing that my uh, video is still frozen because you probably didn't catch my disgusted look when you said Bob Ezrin, but... Uh, <laughs> In any in any case, I agree that um, it probably needed a different producer. I'm not going to say a better producer because Toby Wright did do a couple of things that I thought that was pretty good. Now, I'm not exactly a big fan of Korn, but he did do one of their better records, I thought. And it, sonically, it sounds pretty good. So he is able to make good sonic-sounding records. It's just unfortunate that Carnival of Souls is not one of them. Um I just, again, it's just the biggest problem I have with this record is that at this point, I don't know why Kiss didn't just say to themselves, you know what, we're Kiss, let's just write songs that we like, let's write Kiss songs, let's not try to follow, you know, what's going on and what's being popular, let's just go out and do what, we, what we're good at, and if people like it, they'll buy it, if they don't, they won't, and at least we'll go on our own merits. It's kind of like how what Lemmy used to say, I, I went to one of these conventions once, and he was the keynote speaker, and he always said that, he goes, I can look myself in the mirror every day and have no issues with it because I've done stuff my way, I've never followed any trends, I've done what I wanted to do, and I can sleep peacefully knowing that, and that's one thing Kiss can't do, or never could do at that point, because they started being followers, and if they would have just went back to being Kiss, I think Carnival of Souls could have been a much better record. Yeah, Lemmy totally wins on that. I mean, naming an album Orgasmatron, and they never did Condemnation. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Lemmy, Lemmy wins every argument. He's like the Chuck Norris of music. 
Ken. Yeah, so I mean, base, sorry, go ahead, Ken. Okay. Well, yeah, I agree. Um, but I think I was ready for, hopefully, for a follow up to Revenge or, you know, something similar to Revenge. Uh, I would have I'd loved to have Bob Ezrin produce the, that album. Uh, he said he did such a great job on Revenge. I thought, just keep it going because this is this is good stuff. You know, it's it's not divert from you know where we're going here. Uh, I remember at the convention that I saw in San Francisco, the Kiss convention that they did back in the day there around the time when they were recording, and someone asked uh, about the album, about the next album, and I remember. Eric Singer saying, it's kind of like this, but it's a lot darker. <laughs> he said it was a lot darker. And that, well, he got that part right. It's not like Revenge, but it could have been like Revenge. Um, I don't think they had to follow the trend like, you know, Mark was saying and, and so on. It's just why are we following the trends? They've done that. They keep doing it. And they should have never done it, obviously. Um, so... Yeah, they kind of scrapped it for the uh, reunion. So it comes out later, and okay, yeah, it's okay. But uh, I don't know. I, I just think that they should have, again, had Bob Ezrin kind of follow up Revenge because it was kind of critically acclaimed, I think, more or less. I think it stands up pretty good. And then, um, and then the album cover, though, on this thing is. Yeah, like you said, Jillian, it's, it's just a rushed out piece of whatever. Uh, very, very, very sad to see that, that, what they did with that. It's really nothing going on in it at all. So, yeah, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I actually listened to Cause yesterday. I, I'm surprised. I got a German advanced cassette, so I had to check to see if Outramental or anything was different on it. So I did listen to the the tape all the way through. Um, I, I think one thing that is really lost in history, and Mark, your screen is still frozen, so when you make your dirty face, um, you're not going to be sharing <laughs> make it. Make it to yourself. Yep, so go for it, knock yourself out. Um, I think it would have been fascinating to see what Kiss could have done working with Bob Ezra in two albums in a row. When, when you think of Destroyer, and you know one of the best quotes I've read from Bob working on something recently is... He said, we're just getting started. Wait until the next album, of course. And then all coins on the phone with Jack Douglas needing a, you know, wanting a remix of Destroyer and all that. You never got the opportunity to see how he and the band would work on a project and then grow and maybe take it organically to another project, which is lost in revenge and the amount of years that it took to get to the next studio album. So... Yeah, you know that's why I say I think Bob really could have helped a lot of this stuff in terms of his arrangement, his flow, its sonics. It would have sounded a hell of a lot better. And for all I bag on the sound, you know, on Revenge, I bag more on the material being as I perceive juvenile uh, to how I was at the time. So it was like, oh, this is kitty rock. You know, they're going for a demo. They're trying to recapture a fourteen-year-old demographic. Well, that's what kids, kids has always done. They've always grabbed the 14-year-olds. From year to year, they're grabbing the 14-year-olds, predominantly. <laughs> so me disrespecting revenge in that sense, you know, it, it's kind of stupid. But 
how it is as an album would have been perfect for Carnival Cells. Now that I've talked about Revenge, Lonnie. Well, you're, exa- you're exactly right. Is that the thing that's missing off of it is Bob Ezrin. And, Mark, it's a good thing I can't see you because you're probably like... He's backing his head against the desk. You don't want to know. We don't know. He's probably making obscene obscene gestures my way right now. (laughs) But, you know, I remember reading, again, Hit Parade or Rip or whatever at the time, um, when Carnival Souls was being recorded, that they said, well, this is going to pick up where Revenge left off. I remember reading that a couple times. And I thought, well, that's great. But... In order to pick up where Revenge left off, they needed the same producer that they had on Revenge. And that's why, as much as I love that lineup, and as much as that lineup gets, you know, a lot of praise from, from, the sh- from you know, you look at those club shows in 92, you look at the Revenge tour, you look at those shows in South America in 94, Japan 95, um, how great the band sounded. And there, there's no denying that. It's a shame that they didn't get a second album um, with with Bob and to get a second album that um, would have been driven by the record company instead of just thrown out there. So my, my wife's playing Mario Brothers, so she's upset. Sorry about that. And <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Classic. Um <laughs> so that's my that that's my problem. That's my biggest issue with it is, and I get the cover that they did they that the album that the the record label wanted it. They didn't want it to be like people to think that oh this is the reunion album because it came out officially in the fall of '97 and that and they didn't I don't think they wanted people to think that oh this is the new Kiss album with Ace and Peter on it that they yeah. wanted to show exactly what it was that this is the unmasked Kiss Eric Singer. Bruce Kulik, Julian, I know you don't agree with me. And I would love to see that original artwork that was teased in um, in the Kiss My Ass video. No, that would have been no, cool. I, I, I totally agree with you. But this is a record label that didn't want it to be confused. So they didn't want to sell records. Because you want it to be confused with the reunion. <laughs> so, that, so that all those freaking people who are going to these shows, oh, new Kiss album, oh, well, fuck, who the hell is that? You know, they've already bought it. So why would they not want it to be confused is the part of that that I don't get. You know, this is business. Every single one of those albums is profit for a record label. Why would they make it look like a shit sandwich? I mean, it's nearly like the elder. <laughs> like like... Yeah. I'm... Why would you not want it confused? That just doesn't make any business sense. What business says, I don't want to sell product? Well, you know, we, we, we just don't want to confuse you. The American consumer, and I'm going to be pre- <laughs> yeah, predominantly American. Consumerism is about confusing them. It, it's totally about getting people to buy something that they didn't want in the first place and something that they don't like. I mean, that is what you're you're trying to do. So why wouldn't you have done something to fucking mask it? I mean, um, no pun intended. So boggles the mind to me. It, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Keeps you up at night, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Any last last thoughts on uh, Carnival Souls, Mark? I did kind of cut you off and move on when you're in the. I think you might have been in mid-flight there, so I do apologize again. Well, that's fine. No further words. Nope. All right. So next up, Psycho Circus, and I got to let someone else go first on this. So I think we better go to Ken. 
Psycho Circus. <laughs> what would You're you leading off? I'm not leading well, off I... on this one. I'll, I'll do a, a bad up cleanup. <laughs> yeah, I was excited, uh, obviously, for to get a new album, hopefully with the original band together. And uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna have to hold my comments because I got to go answer the door. <laughs> All right, so, Mark. Let's and I can think about it more. Pitch right. out, nobody's going. Mark, let's go over to you. <laughs> okay, well, well then I don't. So, I actually, uh, like Ken, I, I found out that, uh, you know, they're going to be making a record and it's going to be with the original people, supposedly, right? And uh, I, I, I guess my big issue with it was when I heard it that. It's just some of the material just I I just didn't think was just that great on there, you know. I mean, the 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 song that kind of really bothered me about it was like you wanted the best. It just seemed really hokey, you know. It it was and it kind of portrayed the band in a way that we all knew, you know, was was not correct. They were not one of these, you know, we're all brothers and high fiving each other. They were constantly at each other's throat, you know. So. If, if anything, the one thing I would I would have changed on this is as much as I like Bruce Fairburn and I think he does a great job on the records he's been involved with, I just don't think that he had the backbone enough to kind of step in or didn't or better yet, let me rephrase that. I don't think he knew enough of Kiss's history to guide them to make a record that they should have had put out. That's the thing I think that was the problem. If he would have known more about their history and, you know, listened to records like, you know, Alive and the stuff before that, some of even the original studio albums, and maybe tried to get them to think back more along those lines, not exactly to play those kinds of songs, but along that kind of mentality, then maybe it would have been a stronger record. I think that he let Gene go a little too overboard with his different kinds of songs, you know, his Beatlesque stuff and things like that. And it was too much of a mishmash. I think that if they would have got somebody who was directing the ship a bit stronger, you know, even dare I say that maybe Ezrin would have even maybe steered it better, right? But, you know, I, I, I just think, though, that at, at this point, he was just, I think he was happy to be working with them. Him and Gene got along well, from what I understand, from reading all the interviews and he kind of, you know, Gene had his ear and it showed, you know, I mean, Paul wasn't very happy with it. And that's the one thing I would have changed for sure is would have got rid of him and found somebody who would have said, listen, guys, let's listen back to some of your older records. And maybe let's try to find a vibe similar to some of these records and do that. That's, that's a very good point. I, I think when I get into it, number one is they have the wrong fucking producer on a Kiss record it was not the time to bring in someone new it, there is only one producer in my way of thinking that could have done this album and it's not bob it's eddie kramer is the only person that they should have been working with and that would have been to throw ace a bone ace has been comfortable working with eddie i, I think he's coaxed the best out of the band and i think if they'd gone back to kind of a rock and roll over methodology of saying guys you're going to get in the same fucking room and play you're gonna rec you're, yes. go you're gonna record it essentially live. Go back to how they did the '76 album. Simple as that. Get them playing together. Get them jamming. 
get them, Ace is going to come in with a demo. He's not going to play Bruce Fairburn a tape or give him a stack of tapes and say, these are my songs, choose which one you think's best. It's going to be, we're going to play these together as a band. We're going to work on them. Then Gene gets to say, well, you know, I think this kind of galloping bass riff might work better here. You know, and Paul gets to say, well, you know, I'm going to move this around. And then as a band, they're working on it. Then Ace gets to say, all right, but none of you are getting a fucking writing credit. Um, you know, so, so from that perspective, they work on the material as a band, but they bring it in and they perform it as a band. So it evolves uh, organically from that basis. And I think that's the best best way to create music is to play it first and to be able to play it rather than you're sitting there with your Pro Tools, you've got 24 tracks or whatever, you know, going back to 1998, you're just probably a Tascam or something, you know, 16-track recorder at that point. So I think they really miss the boat. It becomes a Gene Simmons 1978 solo album 20 years later with the diversity of his material, and that ruins it that they didn't they forgot what they were making they were making a kiss record they weren't making an ace solo record they weren't making a paul solo record a peter solo record a gene solo record and that's totally lost in the songs and all the extra ones that they record that we now get to hear because of the leaks of those demos it, it's just such a hodgepodge it's not a band project so what would i change i would say make it a band album Take all of that mm -hmm. stuff that they all brought in individually and have them playing it and seeing where it goes from there and with Eddie Kramer producing and keep it to all four members are going to perform on that record no matter what it takes. If one of them is dogging it on bass instead of have Bruce Kulick coming in to play for Gene, Gene does it until he gets it right. Mm -hmm. Ace does it till he gets one, you know, so it won't take Ace long. His first takes are usually the most honest. Uh, Peter Chris, keep it simple. That was his best drumming, was you know, early 70s, first few albums, before you know, no embellishments. Just keep it natural. Don't try and be something that you're not, and that's Kiss's biggest failing so many times. Lonnie? Yep. You know, there's so many things that are, that are wrong, starting with the cover. You know, you we waited how many years for a album from the original four members and the predominant thing on the front, if you can even see the predominant thing on the front for that matter, is a clown's face and not the four iconic images. Um, yeah, they're on the back. Well, that's great. That's the back. It needs to be Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter in your face on the front of that album. We talked about Carnival Souls album cover. Oh, they did this because of, you know, it was Eric and Bruce. Well, you know what? This album is the original four. It needs to be those four images in your face. Here they are on an album together. And then that code Julian, it needs to be the four of them. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Not, you know, you don't bring anybody else in because you knew what the public was wanting. You knew they wanted the four original members of Kiss on an album. Ken wanted it in 96. We didn't get it till 98. But, you know, that's what the public wanted, was those four those four people together. And and we didn't get it. And there, there's just so many things wrong with it, with the hodgepodge of Gene songs, with, you know, and even the songs that didn't make it on the album, the Gene songs that didn't make it on the album, they still sound Beatlesque, like, I want to rule the world. That doesn't sound, that's not, 
That's not God of Thunder. That's not Dr. Love. You know? That's not what Kiss sounds like. Give me a Kiss album. Not a mixed motion. And and this was the first album that they thought that, oh, we got to follow a formula, too. Where Peter has to sing a ballad. And Ace has to sing some kind of spacier type of song to fit his character. And they stuck with that for the the following studio albums. We'll get into that in a little bit. But play your instruments and play your songs. You know, Peter was good enough to play 100 and whatever 97 shows with him on the reunion tour itself. But then he's not good enough to play on the album? Come on. And I'm not, you know, and, and I know Peter wasn't the best, but he was good enough to play on the tour. He's good enough to play on the album. And he's going to be good enough to play on the ensuing tour as well. So let's let's hear those four those four musicians. Let's let's give the kiss. You wanted the best. You got the best. We'll give the fans what they wanted. You hear and we obey. Give the fans what they want, mm-hmm. and that's not what we got. You've just mentioned uh, something about the demo tracks that obviously have circulated. Shaking Sharp Shooter, Ace Frehley's song with Sebastian Bach, which became Foxy and Free, I believe, on mm-hmm. um, Anomaly. What's wrong with that? Great riff. It's a riffing rock track. I mean, can you believe they tur- Bruce turned that down, allegedly? Uh, Sweet and D- Dirty Love. I mean, that had been around since 76. Mm-hmm. What the bloody hell? And that sounds like a Kiss song. My Sweet Dirty it Love. Is. It, it is like a Kiss, kiss song. song. That is a Kiss song. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what a Kiss yeah. song is supposed to sound like. And, yeah. and then you have shit like Carnival of Souls and Weapons of Mass Destruction, which rightfully mm. were you know, chucked away. And Paul's god-awful body and soul. I mean, mm, oh, mm, my, mm, mm. oh my god. <laughs> but but here's the one thing that I really think they are missing that should be changed. And you, you alluded to at the, at the top of your comments, and that was the cover. Ken Kelly. I mean, it's kind of a given that Ken Kelly mm. should have been kidnapped and put in a room with all the crayons or whatever he needed um, to come up with... <laughs> 64 pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 64 pack of crayons. Whatever it's. So, you know, and, and and Ken, go to town. You're doing it. You know, there's going to be no one saying it's too violent. That there's too many flames. That they're too close to the damage. You know, making him do destroyer over and over again until they get it to where they want it. You know, if you think of what I said about Eddie Kramer being the producer, then the cover artist and designer. Should you know they should have called Wallach back and said you know you design the packaging, Ken Kelly's doing the the picture the the illustration, you put it together gone totally seventies on it because what were people expecting? They were expecting what had been recreated on that tour, which was a complete facsimile kind of updated of nineteen seventy seven seventy eight Super Kiss or pre Super Kiss because that would be Dynasty and no, <laughs> no, no, no one yeah. wanted to go there. Ken, let's go back to you since you're back uh, now. <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, I know we've talked this, uh, talked about this before. I talked about it, and I always thought that they should have. Again, yes, I agree. Eddie Kramer should have been the producer. They should have had all made and forced or done something to, to have all four in the studio working together. Like they've done on the last couple albums, like you know, Monster and Sonic Boom, they they're in the studio working on it together, and it becomes a cohesive album uh, that way too. Um, and and you're gonna get collaboration. 
Um, so they should have had had them all four in there. Who cares about the stupid contracts? You know, the money. Just pay them the money and let's get let's get this thing done and make a good album. The other two are strapped for cash. They can't afford to give Ace and Peter a little yeah. window. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> come on. So. And then, so I, I think that would have been the key thing is getting them all four in there. Put some pressure on them to write some stuff like their old stuff. Yeah, listen to their some some of their old. Listen to, here guys, listen to Rock and Roll Over. You know, can we oh, yeah. can we you know follow that or in Love Gun? You're trying to uh, make something. You, know, you did a tour that's supposed to be like Love Gun. Well, let's let's okay. What would have been the real next step instead of Dynasty? Um, so, you know, where would we have gone from there? So that they should have done that. I agree with Julian about the, the, the cover, um, and, and Lonnie, I guess everyone, the, the cover just doesn't make sense. I mean, the concept psycho circus, great. Uh, I, you know, they're trying to do another destroyer in essence, and it's, it's, it's a failure as trying to do another destroyer. Um, so wrong producer, get better songs keep the band together have them collaborate fix the art and let's get it right but is there anything we do like about psycho service i mean there are some good songs i i i mean you know I'm a, suck, I'm a sucker for the uh, gene simmons beatlesque stuff so but uh, uh i i really like journey of a thousand years i mean i just love that song but uh yeah again it would have been nice to have them all on the same wavelength as far as songwriting. Um, again, yeah, I think that would have helped if they got them all together in the studio and collaborated. And perhaps don't start your album project off as a branding concept before you've actually written a note of music. Because I, I think that's probably... You're forced into a you're pigeonholed that way. Yeah, well, I mean, like the comic book came out well before the album did. That it was all being Like the geared. first comic book came out like in late 97 almost, I want to say. You're right. So, you know, that again is a problem with that. I mean, you have the the images of the band on that front cover. When you, you twist them up, they're kind of cartoony, whereas you've got the, the natural ones on the back. I mean, yeah, it's Kiss. Yeah, it's tied in with branding. It always has been. It always will be. There's no way around it. I just think they approach this completely from the wrong angles. Let's move on to the next album here. Um, and we're not going to talk about the Detroit Rock City soundtrack um we're not going to talk about the box set we're going to jump straight forward in terms of pure albums to alive for symphony symphony so i'll get mine out of the way quickly with this and don't 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 fucking do it simple as that okay next um lonnie oh it it was the wrong time to, and I like Tommy Singer. I think he, he's he's great in the band, but I think it was a misstep to introduce a new member in the first show or first essential show with a new member to record a live album as a way of introducing him to your fans. I think it was. I mean, I, I can't remember how disappointed I was that Ace wasn't going to be there. I mean, I was very disappointed. And I had hope lingering up until the end that, that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe he's just going to be there. Don't 
don't do this. Because I remember the first time I saw them on, it was like that Dick Clark 50th anniversary show or whatever. It was the first time I'd seen Tommy, and it was Tommy and Eric and Gene and Paul. And I was just like, and I know I was, I was not happy, and I know other Kiss fans were not happy either. And granted, you know, I've I've grown to love this this version of the band, and I've seen them dozens, of, you know, a dozen or more times this lineup of the band. But I think your timing of introducing a new member of the band and recording a live album the same night was a bad move. And, you know, if you want to come back after the farewell tour, you know, and tour with Aerosmith or whatever, just do it. I, I, don't, I don't think I needed a symphony-type album or a rip-off of what Metallica did a couple years earlier-type album. And that's essentially what it is. Metallica did it in, like, 99, 2000, something like that. Three years later, Kiss goes, oh, I think we'll do the same thing Metallica did three years ago. <laughs> you know, it's really ingenious. But, and and then it's just not, it. I I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to that. It wasn't 2003, it's been since then, but it's been quite a few years since I said, you know what, I want to listen to to a live Kiss album with a symphony behind it. <laughs> I, that, that's not what I want to do. And I said the last time I was on it, but... And Ace Frehley. If I want to listen to Ace Frehley, I don't want to listen to an Ace Frehley uh, cover album. I want to listen to Ace Frehley. So, I, I I think if you wanted to record in the Live Four, and I and grant that original version of a Live Four still hadn't surfaced yet officially from Vancouver in 2000, but and I, and I guess they figured that this is their way back in. We got to have an album if we're going to tour the states this summer with Aerosmith. It was just. It's just wrong on so many levels. I enjoy the one thing I do enjoy about it is like the first few songs on there, like "Do Strutter" and "Let Me Go Rock and Roll." Those aren't bad. No, they're electric. No, it's no, it's it's electric, and that's my problem with it. That they start off with Act One, electric. Act Two, ensemble. Act Three, with the full MSO. I mean, that was the problem. That it wasn't. Like Deep Purdo, a concerto for group and orchestra, you know that's probably what you know the band was thinking of. They weren't thinking about Metallica just did it. They're like, well, hey, it's been a long time since that Deep Purple with orchestra came out, you know. So it, it was that it was a mix that it wasn't, uh, you know, a pure orchestral accompanied Kiss concert with every song. That it was okay. We're gonna do the little bit here. We're going to do a full electric here because we know our fans can't handle a full, you know, accompanied <laughs> that they they're going to have someone talking about this album and saying, oh, I really like Deuce and Strutter. Yeah, because that was all electric, um, you know, for better or worse. So that was my biggest problem with it, that it was split into all these different acts and it was pompous. And I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't find anything about the charting that had been done for the or orchestra challenging. I, I didn't think it was special. I thought it was so pedestrian and run-of-the-mill in terms of how it ran with the music that it was like being geared to someone's perception of what we are as KISS fans. Now, I, I grew up playing the French horn, so that gives me no more credibility than anyone else because I couldn't fucking read music to save my life or even play it now. But, you know, a lot of us do listen to classical music and know a little bit more about, you know, the, that real side of things than these freaking kind of buffalo 
arrangements that they came up with. So, yeah, it pisses me off every fucking time we talk about this album. <laughs> Mark, save me. Yes. Well, I'm going to echo a lot of what you guys already said. Basically, I just feel this is, a, again, another example of Kiss following instead of leading. Again, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, didn't Metallica do this? Just like we already mentioned, right? And, uh, I mean, but you got to love how they, like, totally make it sound like it's they're such a great idea. Like, on the DVD, somebody came up with a great idea. It's like, yeah, Metallica did. Oh, James Hetfield. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, the, but of course, to not run over the same ground that you guys talked about, the one thing that really bothers me about this record, and I don't know how many, how many of you guys actually realize this, but, you know, being as much as I despised what Ezrin did with Kiss on Destroyer. Did you notice that every that they pretty much played the whole of Destroyer on this thing? Mm-hmm. Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World. Do you love me? Shout it out loud. God of Thunder. Right? Great expectations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they also did Beth in the Ensemble. So besides two songs, Oops. they pretty Oops. much did all of Destroyer and did it in a way that I didn't like. With the ensemble. Damn it! So you God. like it worse than Destroyer? Yeah. Wh- which is your preference, Mark? Please tell us. Honestly, I th- I like the album, the studio album, better than this. This wow. really really bugs me because I was like, oh you man, like Ezra's like the... work better is what you're saying. Wait, wait. I'm yeah, sorry. That... Breaking breaking news here. Mark just says something really nice about Destroyer. And Bob Ezra. Yep. It is better than than this album. Yes, I will go on record for that to say that this is better but i mean that's the thing that really bugged me because like the the things that i didn't like that ezrin did on the, the studio record they did something similar to the songs i didn't like them what they did on these songs and they did it all to the destroyer songs again i mean you know come on man you know are you are you trying to make me hate these songs even more like come on like <laughs> unbelievable like who would have thought detroit rock city with a symphony give me a break you know yeah, exactly. Ken. Yeah, well, again, like you said, I think Mark said it, uh, following the trends again uh, with uh, uh, you know, Metallica or Deep Purple, whoever was did the symphony first um, thing, uh, it's a follow trend, and it's kind of a novelty kind of thing for Kiss, uh, this album. Um, though I, I did recently buy this um, vinyl from from Julian. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bought it off of him. He it's loved it so much, he sold it to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I have that one. Um, but um, have you opened it? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of novelty. The best thing I like about it all is maybe the the video over the, even though that's I can't watch that without going into the edit. The edits are too hard to watch, <laughs> but I like more of the documentary part of it. And oh, that's probably yeah. my favorite part of everything yep. for this kind of what they did uh, is the document. When they do a documentary behind the scenes with kiss, that's to me, that's always fascinating stuff. And, yep. and they really missed the boat on doing that. And they should do that. Maybe if they're recording their next album, I would have loved to see them, you know, do something to record, you know, uh, have cameras and video footage and, and put it out along with the album, maybe. Um, so, 
But uh, yeah, this one was just kind of missed the mark. I, I don't go back to it very often, probably hardly ever, <laughs> I guess. Um, I do like the kind of uh, toned down middle area or what act that was where they do an acoustic kind of the unplugged kind of thing. The ensemble, the middle. The ensemble, yeah. I, yeah. I enjoy that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's a novelty. Um, and if I want to hear something different, I guess I'll put it on. If I want to hear a destroyer a little different. Or even Detroit Rock City. Um, you know, speaking of Detroit Rock City, I just have to say this. Uh, I listened to Detroit Rock City yesterday, the single version. Uh, <laughs> oh, and that's oh. such, a, such a hatchet job. I, I was like, <laughs> what were they thinking when they did, did that? That was a big mistake. <laughs> I was still like, what the heck? Why did they do that? It's just It just ruined the whole flow of the song the way they did that the edits in that uh-huh. i just had to throw that in there but uh yeah so i can skip this album now before we move on to the the last two albums i'm going to say two good things about a live four symphony um beth getting peter chris to yeah. be backed by a full orchestra that does work that is a high point if i have any and i have gone back and watched that on youtube the same is true for Great Expectations, and I know that song is not everyone's okay. cup of tea, but to have the kind of the choir with that was kind of neat. So both of those two things are high points on that album, and there's nothing else. I think the artwork sucks ass. Um, it's just dreadful. That stupid fucking crest that was on everything for, you know, I think about five years into 2008, that we want to have like something that looks like a keychain that you'd buy in London. Classy. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I'll probably get sued. Um, <laughs> let's move on to Sonic Boom. And I was excited about Sonic Boom because obviously it meant that Psycho Circus wasn't the bookend of the band's recording career. What would I change to that? I think they did a lot right on this, that it's more collaborative within the band. All the stuff that was shared on YouTube, Kiss Online did a great job. You actually saw them working on songs, kind of trying out different ideas. So whether it was or not, who knows? It feels more collaborative. I think Paul's going into anthem mode again. So say, yeah, um, you know, all for the glory, dangerous you know, he, he's kind of reaching that ground. I, I, I'm not a big fan of modern-day Delilah, but it's the sort of material that I'm glad he was doing again. Whether or not it worked with me is kind of a moot point. I love how they went back to Dort for the artwork. And I know uh, it's divisive. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't work. It does work. I like how they went back to a 70s artist and said, do something. And everyone's moved on, and this is, you know... For you know, thirty something years later, at that point, so I thought they hit it. Where could they have changed things and made it work? An external producer. You know, I think that is the the biggest weakness on the album is not the material itself, other than I'm an animal should be scratched completely. Much um, less the line. Yeah, and and sweet and dirty, <laughs> sweet and dirty love should be there. Uh, <laughs> we'll just go back there again. Uh, that's the, that's the only song I would get rid of. I I I don't have a problem with. You know, when lightning strikes or all for the glory, I love all for the glory. I think it's a really good song. Eric knocks it out with his singing. You know, great stuff. It's kind of, you know, cliched from the Kiss side of things, but it's good enough. I do have a problem also with when lightning strikes. I think musically, ACDC did a better job with TNT. I would say, Tommy, go write, go write a song. 
any song, mm. Tommy. It doesn't have to have a space theme. It doesn't have to have an electricity yes, theme. It does. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Tommy, Tommy needs, needs to hold on to 18 and, you know, recapture his youth and, well, maybe not write a black and blue song, but it couldn't be any worse than being so contrived to try and pigeonhole himself into Ace's character even further. So those are my only complaints with it. Paul, he did fine. You know, it's perfectly adequate, but I think for Kiss it needs to be special. When they've gone to all this effort to write material and record, I don't think his production has ever reached um, kind of the level that it needs to, that he needed another ear. (laughs) That doesn't sound right, but you know, wow. he he, he needs an external <laughs> reference to say, hey. you know, Paul, this doesn't sonically add up to where your vision is. Why don't you try this? And Paul can overrule that person. But I think that extra set of ears really would help um, because there's so much with the sonics of this that it doesn't do the material justice. So I'll leave it there. Um, Mark, let's get to you. Yeah, um, for the most part, I agree with pretty much everything you say. I, I like, I like where, they, where they were going with this. I was very excited, as you guys know. I mentioned a few times that they were posting those video clips of them in the studio working on songs. Those are the kind of things I'm always a big sucker for and enjoy seeing. And I wish they would do that more often, actually, uh, posting those kind of things. Um, the, the songs themselves, I didn't really have issue with many of them. I I could tell that they were trying to channel some of their 70s roots to them which is something that I, like i mentioned in the psycho circus i wish they would have did it even as far back as that right um, but they finally did it here um i'll go one step different to julian i don't think that they maybe necessarily at this point needed a, another producer i think what they needed though is they needed a dedicated separate mixing guy mixer for this because I don't mind the ideas that they came up with and how some of the songs were arranged and stuff, but just the final mix and master of this record is a little, you know, a little sausagey there, you know, when you look at the wave. Um, so I think that it would have been better if they maybe got some really good guy, even if it was like someone like Eddie Kramer to mix it or to get somebody who was very hip at the time, you know, Andy Wallace or, you know, Chris Lord Algie or somebody who's, who's a really known dedicated mix guy who can take a record and make it sound like phenomenal because the songs are good you know a lot of the time when i hear people talk about this record they're always like oh it's it's all right but you know my ears kill me when i listen to it on headphones and stuff like that you know and that's all down to mixing and mastering and if they would have had you know a dedicated mix guy who could have gave that mix something that it needed and made it sonically more interesting and more you know appealing to the ear i think that would have definitely helped it a lot i think the cover is not my favorite album cover but it's you know it was along the the right path i think the intention was good with what they were trying to do with that you know it, it was it's a lot better than you know like you know the symphony cover something ridiculous like that right um so everything the thing about this was everything was was leading i thought to a good place i was excited again because it was like they were starting again from point one. I was like, okay, this is a good start. It can only get better from here, I thought, from here to the next record that they were going to do because everything was kind of, you know, starting to take shape again. You know, the songs were, were decent, you know, sure, they needed some help with the mixing and this and that, but those things they could remedy the next time around. So I was I was excited. 
Ken, how about you? Yeah, I was excited about that new album. Uh, yeah, I didn't want Psycho Circus to be the last one either. Um, um, but, you know, it was a pretty good attempt. Um, I, I remember buying it the first day it came out, of course, at Walmart. <laughs> um, and uh, and taking it home and, you know, putting it on. Um, so it was good. Um, uh, I know Gene rehashed some old stuff, you know, as usual, uh, to put try to get that old kiss feel that he had uh, back in the day but uh, uh, yeah Paul Stanley wrote some cool songs um, he, like you said a Julian anthems and he was going for that uh, though I like modern day Delilah it's not an anthem but I think it's a different <coughs> song for him but I really like it um, and then there's the other one uh, not say yeah but the other one stand um, I, I really like that one too what they right, what they tried for there um, so it has it's mostly pretty good and I'll, I'll listen to it you know I, I like it um, it was a good attempt at going back for the old sound or the you know trying to hit the 70s or 80s I think it sounds more 80s to me and maybe the production and maybe that's Paul I don't know uh, but yeah another producer or someone else to bounce ideas off of would have been nice instead, instead of uh Paul having total control, you know, kind of thing. Good points all. Lonnie? Um, I remember I was extremely excited when this came out. Um, my buddies and I, we planned that, okay, well, it's, come, it's uh, Walmart exclusive, so we're going to go at midnight to Walmart and, and grab it. And they're supposed to have, like, you know, like these Kiss Corners at your Walmart, you know what I mean, with Kiss M&M's. <laughs> Yeah. And crap like that. So my buddies and I, we went up to um, uh, a local establishment and had some wings and some beer and watched some Monday night football. And then at midnight, we stumbled across the parking lot to Walmart. <laughs> and <laughs> we're like, all right, well, the big kiss display is going to be out with Sonic Boom. Here it is at 1205. And they look at us like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> we're like, no, the new Kiss album. Where is it? Where is the Kiss corner, lady? <laughs> so, yeah. about 12.30, she finally finds a bin of them and brings them out. You know, we all bought our albums and and um, sobered up a little bit before we drove home. <laughs> and, That's good. Anyway. I'm sorry, sirs. We don't open for five hours <laughs> Can you please get out of the store? <laughs> Security. True story. Um, you know, we still went back to our car. You know, we listened to it. You know, while we tried to sober up a little bit before we drove home. And uh, it, I was really like I said, I was really excited. And it's it's good. I enjoy it more than than the album that came after it. To be perfectly honest with you, um, is the production lacking? Yeah. It, what it's missing again, like we said with Psycho Circus, to me, what it's missing is is Eddie Kramer. If you want to, you know, they really um, promoted it as, oh, you know, it's Kiss going back to our roots. It's just the four of us writing songs in the studio. No outside, no outside songwriters. This is how we did it back in the day. We're not recording it on on digital or recording it analog. And this is this is how we do it because we're Kiss. Well, then if you're gonna do it, how you do it because you're Kiss. We're bringing your old Kiss producer to produce the album and make it sound. Have him make it sound like a 70s Kiss album. 
and I understand why they did it that way because Paul Stanley, I think, and I've read, you know, we've all read several interviews um, with Paul after Psycho Circus, how turned off he was with Bruce at the time. That, and I think that's why they did it. You know, I'm going to do it my way because he didn't like what he, he blamed. He basically blamed Bruce for Psycho Circus too. So, I, so I get why Paul wanted to produce it, but an Eddie Kramer Kiss album. Going back to our roots, no ballads, all heavy, no filler. We'll get the one of, if not the best, Kiss producers to do it. I'm sorry, I just had an image pop into my head of Eddie, what are you Kramer, laughing at? Eddie Kramer with a fly swatter hitting Tommy over the head saying, no, you're not doing a lightning theme no, song. No that, space theme song. No space theme for you. You know, um, <laughs> You know, it moves into the same thing with uh, Monster, except I think the material on Monster is in, in many ways superior, where they kind of went with a lot of that stuff. I, the songwriting had come together, so where Sonic Boom felt like every single solo on there sounded like a different part of history. You're like, oh, that sounds off The Elder. Yeah. That sounds like Asylum. That sounds like Black and Blue. Um, you know, it, it didn't sound like Kiss as much as it sounded like history monster sounds more like a band album and i think the songwriting is far better except for the backbone slippage which really should never have been <laughs> that's on... got to be on every album <laughs> it shouldn't have been on the first album um, and gene should not have been recycling peter chris songs um Monster is superior for me in every single way. I like how they did a 180 because of the reaction to the Doris, or however you say his name, so excuse me as you... Doray. Doray, if we want to make it sound fantasy. Um, you know, they went back to just the traditional picture of the band. I, I Yeah, I'm okay with that. I like the packaging. I like the artwork. I like the album. I like the lyrics. I like the songs. What I don't like, what they should have had, number one, is what Metallica did this weekend. They should have had Gaga on Freak. Simple as that. They should have had a couple of guest vocals on this album to take the load off Paul and to make them current. If she's such a Kiss fan, why isn't she singing a song that's like written for her and everything that she stands for as an artist herself and her independence and what she's trying to, her message that she's trying to give to her fans? It, it just seemed to be such a missed opportunity. I'm sure they could have brought another vocalist in for, you know, Last Chance. Um, Take Me Down Below should have been on the album. That's my one song that uh, really is get that the fuck off there. Replace that with Right Here, Right Now. The re the rest of it is fine. I mean, even <clears throat> Eat Your Heart Out and that kind of, I think it's silly intro to it. You know, it's 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 almost cringeworthy in some ways, but it's also corny. It's very kiss in in that sense. So I'm like, okay, I'll leave that. But again, it comes back to I think I I won't say a producer. I'll go with what Mark used, um, someone involved in the mix or running the tape. And and what they have done for both of these albums is I think it's called clasp. Um, analog loop to digital to kind of capture the warmth that was present in 70s recordings so they did try and do something that was analogous to what they were doing in the past using modern tools and then put it bring it in into digital so they did do everything that i think that they could do and that they should be doing so you know apart from those few little changes to someone else running the tape um 
you know, maybe advising them differently. Greg Collins did a fantastic job on both of these albums, but have someone mix it properly because mm-hmm. it's not as bad as Sonic Boom, which at a time sounds like you're playing it through a fan. You've got like a flutter that's just pervasive throughout the, the, the Sonics. It's an improvement on that. But I think someone could have done a better job to make it sound a little bit more 70s. So that's my take on Monster. Lonnie, I'm going straight back to you on this. You know, um, I, I mentioned I like Sonic Boom better than Monster, and I'll, and I'll say it again. I think that uh, Modern Day Delilah was a stronger lead-off single than Hell or Hallelujah. Um, Hell or Hallelujah, in my opinion, is not a new classic Kiss song, <laughs> and that's not a really hot take. I think we can all agree on that, that it's not... It's, it's fine, but it's... I don't know. It's... It's not my favorite, and it's not my favorite song on the album. In my opinion, if I was going to change some things about Monster, I would have led off with Wall of Sound instead of Hell or Hallelujah. And I would have called the album Wall of Sound instead of Monster. And I think Wall of Sound is a more in-your-face type song, and... It's a Gene song, and it would have given off a different tone about the album um, than Hell or Hallelujah did. You're going all revenge on me. No, I'm not all going revenge on you. I promise. (laughs) Just because I want a Gene lead-off song doesn't mean I'm going all revenge. You're not not looking for any analog with revenge or Creatures of the Night. I'm really not. I I want a Gene song to lead off the album, and... I love Paul, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's, and if they record a new album, I, you know, it's not going. A Gene Simmons song is not going to be the first song on the album, and a Gene Simmons song is not going to be the lead single on the album. Because there's no promise business model. There's no business model for a Gene Simmons track as a lead-off single. Right, I promise <laughs> you that it, will, it won't be. But I, I, I would have renamed the album Wall of Sound and had Gene be the lead-off song on it. And I think it would have given a different perception to the public, and I think it would have given the whole album a different feel if you would have done that. And I'm going to agree with you, too, that a mixture, a different mix and a different master of the album and make it sound a little, just make it sound different than what it does. Um, you mentioned Sonic Boom's hard to listen to on headphones. I think Monster's hard to listen to on headphones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's just, oh, I can't. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a struggle to me to listen to it like that in in my eardrums like that it's just it's too compressed and too heavy and it's just not a good mix in my opinion the songs the songs are fine and i one thing else i would have done is i would have put right here right now on the album i think that's one of if not the best song in the in the group and well it's the itunes bonus song really i think it's one of the best songs on there in my opinion i'm not the only one who feels that way either so I would have I would have revamped it quite a bit actually I would I would revamp Monster quite a bit. Nice, good thoughts, Ken. We'll go to you and let Mark have the wrap up on this. Yeah, um, yeah. The the sound of Monster is I guess they call it you know, brick walled. Um, yeah. Yeah, it really yeah it bothers me too. Um, man, it, it could have been so much better. The sound. Um, I agree with you. Uh, maybe Hell or Hallelujah isn't a classic. I do like it a lot, but uh, um, 
I would have went with a different single, whether, you know, Freak or Long Way Down. I would have went with one of those two. Um, if Yeah, if they would have gotten Lady Gaga to maybe join Paul on Freak, that would have been a, a great leadoff, and that would be a great, you know, promotion for themselves out there. Um, uh, Long Way Down, mm. that's just a great song. I just love that song. Uh, that would be the other one that I would have, you know, maybe led off with. It's like, whoa, what is this? You know, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this is this is different. This is this is cool. Um, so yeah, I would have went with that um, the cover of the album. It's just too, it's lazy. It's it's just another photo shoot, one of their photo shoots. Uh, they could have done something better with it. Uh, I do like Lonnie's idea of uh, naming the album. Um, wall of sound uh, that makes more sense to me um, than the monster what what the hell is monster where's the reference what does that have to do with anything yeah yeah What's, that has everything to do with a failed commercial tie in with the oh, drinks sure. company yeah well if it's the not going to work then maybe the album something out. different who knows the who knows box set that never came or the monster book we got a monster book that's right we we know how that turned out. So stop it. <laughs> it's, it's just lose the monster theme. There's you know, your Gene Simmons tie-in, Lonnie. Okay, monster. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. I mean, I, I like most of the songs. Most of the songs are great on there. Uh, pretty darn good. Um, they did the other one with Eric Singer again. Not as good as they. Not as good as the one off of uh, uh, Sonic Boom. But you know, it's it's still pretty good. Um, and then yeah. Tommy doesn't need to go for the the space theme again. Uh, it's like okay, let's Great. stop, let's stop that now. Though so, now I gotta give Tommy props. Uh, his his guitar solos were fantastic mm-hmm. on the album, and you know what? It's him. It's, it's not it's totally not him. him emulating Ace. It's not like the prior album Sonic Boom where he's he's just redoing old aces licks and kind of throw mishmashing them together in songs to make it sound like an old kiss album uh i really like him doing his old solos and then he does a fine job fine job so it's a good album i don't know if i rank one or the other higher than the other they're about like a tie for me sonic boom and monster um in their own way uh, but uh, yeah the sound could have been much better yeah, and that was a really good point about Tommy. That it feels cohesive, in in terms of it, it's it fits the material. You don't you don't you don't get parts of oh well that's out of asylum. You know, like like I mentioned with um, yeah. Sonic Boom and those solos. The other thing, uh, just to briefly mention, you know, the out of this world and all for the love of rock and roll. I mean, it's getting so pigeonholed at this time. You really have to watch Monty Python's Stop It, You're Being Silly. <laughs> You're just being silly now, um, you know, skit. Mark, Stop. you're going to get the final yes. word on this as we bring this episode to a close. So, uh, Monster. Well, I mean, you guys have probably went over most of the stuff that I thought for this, to be honest. Um, again, I think the songs, just like you guys thought, I think are better on this record. I think they weren't so focused on rekindling the 70s i think they just decided to just make good songs they had a better idea of what worked so they just kind of took what worked with the last thing and kind of just you know 
took it to the next point. Um, I think Ken brought up an excellent point about Tommy Thayer. I think that he's much more his own man on this record, and it shows with his guitar playing. I think it's much more identifiable as Tommy Thayer and not, you know, wanting to be like Ace on record. So that definitely helped. Um, what didn't help is that they didn't learn their lesson as far as the mixing and mastering on this again. Again, it was another, you know, uh, earbud nightmare for people who listen to music like that. And, you know, it's again, it's it's just part, part of those times. It's unfortunate when these records were made because it was, you know, neck deep in the time when it was these this loudness war going on. My CD is louder than your CD. No, mine is louder than yours. No, mine is 0.1 dB louder than yours. So it's better, you know. But it it's it was very much a, a phenomenon in the audio world at that time. But now it's starting to get better. So I'm having great hope that the next Kiss record, if they ever make one, will at least have conquered that problem, I think. Because now people, especially engineers, are not so gung-ho with the whole, you know, my audio is louder than yours anymore. So it will make for a better sounding record. Um, I think that the cover, I agree with you guys, they could have did so many things different and better than just a standard photo on the front. I mean, at least with Dynasty when they did it, you know, they kind of had a somewhat an idea or a concept with just the way they laid it out. At least the monster just seems like they just got in a room, just sort of just posed in some way and they took a picture, you know, and with, with the title, you know, monster, like, like you guys said, there's, it just doesn't seem to attach itself to anything on the record. There's not even a song called monster. Right. So if there would have been a song that at least they could have said, well, you know, we just liked the song monster and thought it was the best one. So we attached it as the title. So, but you know, they, those, those kind of things, I guess in the, in the grand scheme of things are sort of minor. I think the songs overall are a lot better, you know, but if they would have, if they would have tackled the audio end of it again, I think this one would have been the better of the, of the, of the record of the two that we talked about the Sonic boom and this one. So here's to hoping that if, they decide to make a new record that it'll be at least rectified audio wise and we'll have finally a non-ear bleeding kiss album in the 2000s well you know what if metallica can do it and hardwired sounds a hell of a lot better than death magnetic which was hmm. a was a brick in terms of how it sounded uh anything's possible with kiss you know as we wrap up this episode, we'd love for you to chime in on you know these albums that we've talked about. What are the little changes that you would like to the Post Live Three albums that would have made them better or more perfect in your point of, point of view? You know, I, I think with a new Kiss album, Jeans, you know, um, yeah, business model lacking, so right. there may be no album is kind of a direct poke. I think that's his way of poking Paul. I, I really get the feeling that he's trying to get a message to Paul without directly calling Paul up and saying things that you just can't say to Paul. He knows him better than anyone uh, with the number of years they've been together. Maybe he's trying to give Paul a message that if Paul really wants to do another album, things need to be done differently without so much as saying, Paul, you're not producing the next album. We need someone else to do it for us. We need to change some things. Who, who knows how Paul reacts to those sorts of comments? Maybe 
because it's been proven that Gene's wrong about the business model. He knows he is. It, the music industry does continue. <laughs> Albums do sell. People do make money. There is a fucking business model, and Gene Simmons knows it. You know, even he's not that backwards that he can't figure it out. So that's why I really feel, you know, what he's saying is a, a bigger message than what he's actually saying. So that's it. We're not going to talk about anything else because we're way into this episode it's time to go so chime in on wherever you listen to this we are now on uh, podomatic for now we'll see how that works and uh, see if i want to pay a subscription to that monthly for more storage so uh, check us out chime in let us know let's have a discussion so we do thank you for joining us and listening to us thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.